Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. If you know me, I like talking about skiing. I like talking about food. I like talking about hiking and rivers and the patriots. Uh, I like talking about all these things. Today I'm going to talk about death and dying and dead. And does anyone else want to leave? <laughs> I'll follow you. Um, and that's why I, I, I am glad we're doing a series because it forces us to walk through God's Word. But I'll be honest, selfishly as a pastor, I just want to pick out the things that I like talking about or pick out the things that are fun to talk about and the warm and fuzzies and have some fun sermons about that. But the problem is, you know, uh, we've I've now been here over eight years and that's a lot of Sundays and, you know, um, I need to start coming up with other material. And we've got to look at all the nooks and crannies of the Bible. So Ecclesiastes is not necessarily a, a book that a lot of people preach through and not one that I really wanted to preach through. And, and you can tell why. I mean, that was pretty sad, pretty down, pretty depressing. But why we're in Ecclesiastes is because it's a book of wisdom in the Old Testament. And we decided as a young church and as a young staff that we need to study the books of wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to help us become wise. So I hope that you as a congregation, both here and online, have joined us in this prayer. Lord Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit and guide us in wisdom as we search your ancient scriptures. We say it again. Holy Spirit, fill us and guide us in wisdom as we search your ancient scriptures, because we're young. Our faith is young. Our church is young. I am young. I'm getting older. Um, but we're young. And we need wisdom. So we went through the book of Job, and we found that Job was like a gr really great grandfather that's, you know, been through everything. Brian and I were talking. Uh, Jim, you were born, what, 1931? 1930. So Jim was born in 1930, and the Civil War was in 1860s. 1865, 1860s, yeah. somewhere right in there. Yeah. So it's plausible, Jim, that when you were a young boy, there were people that fought in the Civil War that were in your town or around you. Yeah, my grandmother had one on, his, on her street. That, to me, is crazy. That's, to, to, the fact that Jim and my grandmother know people that were in the Civil War, that just boggles my mind. That boggles my mind. But we need the wisdom of those people that have been through that. And so the book of Joel was a lot like that great, great grandfather that had been there, done that, and bought the cheap t-shirt, right? They'd been through it all. And they were one of those people that you sat at their feet and just were just astonished by their stories because they just were, they were almost surreal because you're like, how did you make it through? Because they were grueling stories that sounded really hard. The book of Job was some crazy suffering, some really hard, hard suffering, and suffering of good people, righteous people, outstanding people. And what we learned from the great-grandfather Job was that God is God and we are not. And there's nothing on earth that doesn't cross his desk and get his approval. And that could either make you hate him or rest in him. 
And that's what happens in the human heart. When we find out that God is in control of everything, that either makes us go, I hate you because of that. Because that means you're responsible for the death fill in, for the death of, for the, for the loss of, for the money loss, for the relationship loss, for the health loss. I hate you. Or it makes you go, oh God, I am so thankful that you're in charge of everything and there's nothing outside of your will or your control. I will rest as your daughter, as your son, in your goodness, God, even when I don't understand it. And that's what we learned from our great-grandfather, Job. And remember I told you we were sitting around his feet in the living room of his old home, and we got up and we walked down the hallway, and from this door in the hallway came the smoke of our cynical uncle's pipe. That single old dude that's a cynic, a critic, you know, that's been everywhere. He's got four doctorates, right? He's just, he's just cynical. He's a critic. And he's going to blow smoke on your faith and my faith. He's going to blow smoke on what you believe and what I believe. And though we really don't want to go in that room, we are curious because our uncle does know a lot. He has a lot of, you know, world travel and knowledge, and he's got a couple doctorates. So we do want to hear what our uncle has to say. And we come in, and he's one of those guys that doesn't talk a whole lot, but he talks like in riddles, and he's like, have a seat. <laughs> and then you're like, oh boy, here we go. And that's what we've been going through in the book of Ecclesiastes. And what we found out is there are three things that happen to everyone. There are three things that are inescapable. Time. Time waits for no one. Time marches on. And though you might want to slow down time because you're in this time with these beautiful babies and you don't want it to go fast, you can't make it slow down. Moms, 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 you can't make it slow down. And though you'd like to speed it up because it's really not that great of a day, it's really not fun, it's not a cool time you're going through in life, I'd like to speed this up, you can't. Right? You can't. Dads, you can't speed up time. You know, you can't speed up time. Time happens to everyone. And everyone is allotted the same amount of time in a day. 24 hours a day. You have it, I have it, right? Time. Another thing that Ecclesiastes talks about that we all face is chance. This idea that life is kind of random. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Right? It just, you don't, you would think that A plus B equals C, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. It just doesn't. We'll talk more about that later. Time. And chance. But today we're going to talk about something that happens to everyone. C.S. Lewis calls this the greatest statistic. Death. There's a one in one chance that you're going to die. C.S. Lewis says it's the greatest statistic. C.S. Lewis also says this. That war, famine, and pandemic do not increase death but that death is total in every generation. Interesting, right? C.S. Lewis, his quote was, famine, war, uh, pandemic, do not increase death, but that death is total and final in every generation. Every generation. So we're going to talk about dying. And it's fitting because... For the past 13 months, there has been 
a global thought. Am I or are one of my loved ones going to die of COVID? No matter your perspective on COVID, each one of us have thought that. Every single person. That's 7 billion people that have had the same thought. Am I or are one of my loved ones going to die of COVID? There is something incredibly powerful about one global thought. And we're seeing it. Would you ever believe, I'm only 39 years old, <coughs> 15, 20 years ago, I would have been like, no, you can't have something that would shut the entire globe down. Okay, maybe you'd shut down this section of this country or whatever, but there's going to be something that shuts the entire globe down, that global travel and global economy and global commerce, that my friends in Fiji, Fiji is still closed to the outside world. Fiji has had practically zero cases of COVID because they're an island, and once it started happening, they said, no one in, no one out. And now they're freaked out because they don't have herd immunity. Why? Because it never came there. Uh -huh. right? And they're not like us in America where we just buy our way through everything. We bought our way into this vaccination. Because when we're in trouble, we double. That's what we do in America. When we're in trouble, let's just get the wallet out. There's other countries that can't do that. And we're just like, money, 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 money. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. I'm American, 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 American. I got endless dollars. Right? And our friends in Fiji just shut the border down or done. And they rely heavily on tourism. That's their number one economy. Since the sugarcanes have, you know, factories down there and the sugarcanes have used up all the nutrients of the earth down there, tourism is it. They're struggling. You had told me that this, like, that's what a one global thought will do. And the one global thought over the past 13 months is, will I, or someone I know, die, die, die? We all had death on the brain. Seven billion people. And when that happened, it changed. A global change happened. A global change we wanted global change. In the 1980s, the biggest rock stars, the global rock stars, came together to do a concert to end hunger. They thought, man, if we could just get one thought around the world, and they got on TV, and Queen sang, and The Who sang, and all of these huge U2s, the huge rock stars sang, and they thought, man, and I forget how many they televised that to, but it was millions upon millions upon hundreds of millions saw this end world hunger. And their hope was, let's get everyone on the same page here. Let's all get thinking about this. Well, guess what? The fear of dying did that in 2021, 2022, and it changed the world, changed the world. And I got to thinking, what would happen? So what, what, what happened? The fear, the fear of death passed through everyone's mind. Everyone. Seven billion people. What would happen globally if the fear of the Lord, if the respect of God Almighty went global? What would, what would that do? 
The fear of death shut down governments, it shut down air, it shut down travel, it shut down meeting in person. What all of a sudden if seven billion people went, oh, God is real, he is good, and he wants me to be in relationship with him through faith in his son. What if that light bulb came on for seven billion people? That would be that would be something, huh? That would be something. Global thought. Well, we thought a lot about dying, so I need to talk about dying. I would love to stand up here and talk about what could happen if the whole globe thought about Jesus, if the whole globe thought about God, but that would be evading the sermon about death and dying and decay. During the pandemic, I don't know about you, but my family tried to look at all the different trilogies of movies, right? Like when we were shut down last March and April and May, trying to look at like what can we watch for movies, you know? So we watched The Chronicles of Narnia. You know, we watched um, The Lord of the Rings. It was super fun. We ended up watching The Pirates of the Caribbean. And pirates have a name for death. Davy Jones Locker. Right? And in Pirates of the Caribbean, Davy Jones takes on a personality, takes on a, a man. He's a captain of a ship underneath the ocean. And Davy Jones, who's the captain of the ship, has a saying that he says right before he kills people. And he looks right in their face, and he's got all those tentacles coming out of his beard, and he goes, William Turner, do you fear death? And he'd always say that right before he kills you. Whatever your name is. Marcus Corey, do you fear death? And then he'd kill you. <laughs> we are extremely afraid of death. But it is what every good book Every good story and every good movie is about. Am I wrong? Any classic story, any classic book, any classic movie, death is a major theme. Not a minor, not something in the background. A major, major theme. Think about one of the greatest movies of all time, greatest storylines. I can think of one, ready? Ready, ready? My name's Maximus Dismus Murdius, General of the Legion Armies of the North, loyal to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I'll keep my vengeance in this life or the next. Yeah? Gladiator? Come on, you got goosebumps doing that. That movie's about death! So we want to talk about it. We want to talk about it. All you that binge Netflix, most of those <laughs> stories are about death. So what did the Bible have to say about death? Well, the book of Ecclesiastes is pretty dull, drab, sad. And this is what Ecclesiastes is trying to say. And this is what I coined. I said... A life that has no meaning 
or a meaningless life is depression. A life without meaning is just, that's just depressing. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? A meaningless death, a death that has no meaning, that's just devastating. We struggle with that, don't we? When someone you love has a death that you're like, what was the meaning of that? Meaningless death is so bitter to the mouth. It is so difficult. And that's what what Ecclesiastes is going after. Meaning. And if a meaningless life is depressing, a meaningless death is devastating. The Bible says this. It is appointed unto every human to die. That's an appointment. I remember a music video came out when I was in college. I forget which band it was. But they were talking about everyone's time to die. And they had the clock above the person's head. Does anyone remember that music video? There was a music video where you could see how many more days, weeks, years, and hours that person was going to live. And the whole music video was, what if you could see this? Would you live differently? Would you live differently that if above my head it said I had four months, two days, you know, and a couple hours to live, or maybe it said 40 years, or maybe it said one day, or maybe it said 15 minutes. Would you live differently? But what happens is the mundane of life begins to sing its song. That song that's sung every morning, every day, every night, your whole life. And you begin to subconsciously fall asleep to the fact that you will die and all of those around you will die. And the mundane begins to take your attention away from that reality. Or you choose just to shove it back there and you don't want to think about it. But the reality of it is we all know that the moment you take a breath on this earth, you begin to die. It's kind of depressing, huh, Mark? Birth of a baby. Oh, happy birthday. You're going to now start dying. Welcome to earth. You're going to start dying. Oh, that's one more day you don't have. Oh, another day you don't have. You can think like that if you want to. But you also, come on, notes. But you also could put your hope and faith in the Bible. This is what it says about death. This is, this is one of my favorite scriptures about death. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14. If you're worried about death, if you're afraid about death, you need to write this down and you need to memorize this. Nancy, thank you for being a good example to us. Nancy's walked through the valley of the shadow of the death. It's been not easy. One of the things Nancy has done is she has memorized scripture. She hadn't memorized scripture before, but now she's really memorizing scripture. I don't know if you remember this, but Nancy came up and lit the Advent candle back at Christmas. I'm sure not an easy time for her this year. Nancy went to read the scripture, and she put the paper down that we gave her and quoted the scripture because she had it memorized. Folks, the valley of the shadow of death 
is going to take everything from you, including your physical Bible and your pretty little church service that you enjoy coming to on Sunday mornings. We're not going to be with you on Tuesday night or Thursday night. It's great that we have this community. It's awesome. I love it. But when you hide God's word in your heart, you will not sin against him. And you will have hope. And if you're struggling with death, this is one you should memorize. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not be sad or not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him all of those believers who have died. Hope. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to even fear death. Billy Graham said that to live is it's instinctive. Larry King was going at Billy Graham one time pretty hard in the 80s in an interview and was like, hey, you told me about you and Ruth Graham going through a plane potential crash. And Billy Graham said, yes, I was coming back from somewhere in Europe and a bomb went off on Billy Graham's plane. Him and Ruth were in it. And the plane shook and it was uncertain if it was going to land and the air masks came down and... And, 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 and Larry King looked right in Billy Graham's eyes and said, were you afraid? Were you afraid to die? And Billy Graham goes, well, oh, I was afraid of the process of dying. I was pretty crazy on that plane with a bomb going off. You know? Yes, he goes, it's instinctive to live. I put the mask on. I put the mask on my life. He's like, but I got to thinking in that seat, in that plane, I might be dead. This could be it. A bomb went off on my plane. I could be done. And he thought to himself, but I'm ready to die. I'm ready to be with my Lord. I will fight for my life if I have to, but I'm ready to meet my Lord. I'm afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of death, is what Billy Graham said. Kind of funny, but then Larry King went on to ask Billy Graham if he'd ever run for president. And he goes, yes, I thought about running for president, and even a newspaper ran the article. But Ruth came to me and said, I don't think the country would like a divorced president. <laughs> so he didn't run for president. <laughs> I love that story. I thought that was good. I don't know about you, but I love watching old interviews with Billy Graham. I love it. Talk about a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and had laid down his life, everything. He laid it down for the sake of the gospel, to share with millions. But this next part, I have to give credit to Heidi. I was studying for my sermon this morning and talking about death and how we as a global, you know, as the globe had feared death. And Heidi, this is what I love about Heidi and her time in God's Word. She said, you know, the Bible never says to fear the first death. The Bible says to fear the second death. I turned to Heidi and said, excuse me? But what? She goes, yeah, the book of Revelation says that the death of fear is the second death. And I was like, whoa. Heidi, you're on to something. So this morning I quickly turned to Revelations and started consuming it. And she's right. 
Well, she's always right. But <laughs> I turn to Revelations, and this is what it says. Remember two weeks ago, I said, hey, faith comes from what? Oh, taste? Faith comes from tasting? No, because we said that I'd be the most faithful person in the world. Faith comes through touching, seeing, hearing. And remember the Bible, whenever it wants to tell you something that you need to take to heart, always starts out with saying what? Anyone with ears, let them hear. The Bible says that a lot. And when it says that, you better pay attention. I happen to like Psalms 37, where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I like that verse. But the Bible very much more says, Anyone with ears, let them hear. Here's Revelations 2, verse 11. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit, understand what he's saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Revelations 20. Verses 6 and 14 and 15. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Then the death and the grave will be thrown into the lake of fire. This lake is referred to as the second death. And anyone whose name is found and not found, anyone whose name is found in the book of life will not be thrown into the second death. And anyone whose name is not recorded in the book of life will be thrown into the second death. Guys, the first death is so powerless that it dies on the second death. Let me say that again. The first death the one that 7 billion people fear right now, including me, including you, we've all thought about it. The first death that's got us all in a panic right now, that's shut down businesses and separated families and bankrupt people and sent people all over the place, and, and, and a lot rightly so, and we need to work through all of this. I'm not up here saying we just throw caution to the wind, but the fear of the first death has caused this world to go into a tailspin. Yet we are asleep to the reality of the second death, including me. It took my wife to tell me this morning. I'm studying about death and dying. I love it. And my wise wife, who spends so much time in God's word, says something so powerful. Yeah, but we really should fear the second death. Ooh, she got my attention. What? Yeah, the second death. And then I get to reading about it. The second death is so powerful, it swallows the first death like it was nothing. You know the one that we're all afraid about? Swallows it whole. So I got to thinking about my life. And if Davy Jones came to Marcus and looked me in the face and says, Do you fear death? And i got to be honest, my cute little evangelical self, you know, my nice little Protestant packaged person is like, no, I was told I don't have to fear death because after I die, I'm with Christ. But then I start reading Revelation, and if J.B. Jones came to me and goes, do you fear the second death? Oh, the second death? 
I'm a little bit nervous now. What are you talking about? I got through the first one. But you know what's incredible? We sang about it this morning, and Drew and I didn't even talk about it. It comes from Revelations 20. If someone or that time comes when death looks you in the eye and says, do you fear death? I love it because this brings it full around about Fiji. You get goosebumps. So I started crying when I saw this. Fiji during the, the Summer Olympics would have been, what, five years ago now? Because we missed it last year. Fiji won the gold in rugby, which was huge, over New Zealand and over other countries. For Fiji to win the gold was a big deal. Fiji's a tiny little island. It was a big deal. And you know what that rugby team did when they won the gold medal in the Olympics? They ran to the center of the field, and they locked arms around each other, and they began to sway back and forth as a team. I mean, they were just bloody, sweaty men. And they began to sing, we have overcome. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that is what you say to death. That I have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And that is how we move past death. That's how Marcus can stand up here and have a sermon about death. I didn't want to have a sermon about death and dying. Marcus wants to talk about skiing and about eating. But I can get up here and talk about death and dying. Why? Because we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. Have you put your faith in that? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart? So that you can look death in the face, and yes, it's going to be terrifying. I'm not going to stand here and say that I'm some hero, that I'm going to be going down the ball of flame being like, bring it on! No, I'm going to be like, come on, Jesus! Jesus, do something! Come on, Lord! I'm believing in your blood! I'm believing in your testimony! Here we go! I can preach about death. Because I have hope. If I didn't have hope, I wouldn't be doing this sermon. I would come up with a different sermon to talk about. I would avoid this at all costs. But I have hope because the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this, this church. And we thank you for the space that we get to be here. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony that we do not have to fear death. But Lord, we can't just not fear death. We have to replace it with the fear of you, the fear of the Lord, the respect of God. We love you. To your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.